What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Pavali coming at you with another Look Ahead podcast, and I am ecstatic to be joined by now a reoccurring guest who was on last year for the Chicago Bulls Look Ahead, Jason Pat. You should follow him on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. That's at B-U-L-L-S underscore J, J-A-Y. He is an editor for Clutch Points, and he contributes to Bulls Blogger, Forbes, and he's the co-host of the Cash Considerations podcast with Ricky O'Donnell. Fantastic job those two guys do over there. Jason, how the heck are you? I'm doing great. Media day. I guess there were some media days over the weekend, but media, most media day. It was Bulls media day today. Uh, always bring some optimism kind of with the Bulls because of what is happening with them and Lonzo Ball, but always try to talk yourself into some optimism and fun uh, at media day before a new season. Media day optimism just runs more and more rampant each year. I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. And like, uh, like I said, Lonzo Ball stuff, which we will talk about, of course, uh, has been hanging over the Bulls for a while, trying to talk myself getting back into the Bulls. And it's always just fun to have them back. So uh media day around the league also just obviously always fun to see all the goofiness going on uh, and there's plenty of it plenty of hijinks delusions of grandeur from teams and with some some of the storylines around the league uh always fun to see what's going on not just for the bulls but for everywhere else too yeah the, the bulls and the sixers ironically had one of the least dramatic uh media days yeah pretty say. yeah it was mostly pretty chill for the bulls so that's i guess good i guess besides the lonzo stuff but uh which how things go. Believe it or not, we will get to the Lonzo stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I did want to ask you, and I always start here, is do you have just any like lingering impressions or thoughts from the offseason overall? Were you one of the people who were annoyed that they didn't spend their full MLE? Or was it more of a situation of, well, who did you even want them to spend it on? And just what do you think about what they did, what they didn't do? Anything that you're just harping on leading into this season? Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, underwhelming offseason. Absolutely annoyed. If you ever listen to Cash Considerations, me and Ricky uh, enjoy pounding Jerry Reinsdorf and Bulls ownership for not using every avenue uh, at their uh, every avenue they have to spend and go into the luxury tax because they've paid the luxury tax like twice, once or twice in the last twenty some years or whatever. And I know wow. if you've watched the Last Dance too, going back <laughs> to the dynasty and like they talked about the haggling with like Scottie Pippen and all that good stuff. Uh, obviously this is a, it's a historic thing with the bulls and uh, the Jerry Ryan sort bulls. So definitely very annoying that, um, that they did not use that full mid-level. You can say that they theoretically were going to use the full mid-level by trying to split it between Andre Drummond and Danilo Gallinari. Gallinari went to the Celtics, Torres ACL, uh, whatever. They didn't do it. It seemed like the Celtics were always going to be the front runner there. Gallinari spoke very highly. They're also the defending Eastern conference champs. Uh, and then after that, they just didn't really use it. They used a little more. They used part of it on Drummond instead of just using the minimum, which bizarre. Uh, and then they had whatever left over, and they just haven't used it. They because they missed out on Gallinari, and they just didn't get anybody else. Um, you could argue maybe they like there was no one else worthwhile. I know one of the popular names was like Isaiah Hartenstein went to the Knicks instead of like whatever use the minimum on Drummond. Maybe you actually use use like the full thing or more of it. I think. He, Hardison get like eight million a year from the Knicks, something like that. Yeah, like why not match that or give more of that, and then you use the minimum to sign somewhere else? Was they ended up just using the minimum to sign Dragic, Goran Dragic, which was uh, weird at the time. Maybe not quite as weird with the Lonzo Ball injury, but like Goran Dragic is not replicating what Lonzo Ball is bringing to the table or all those things. But Goran Dragic 
sounded like they wanted him last year. And at immediate day, they talked about the stay. He's got a connection to Arturis Karnaschovas. Seems like a guy that just the front office really liked. They brought him in. We'll see how much he has left. But an offseason of basically bringing back the same team, adding Andre Drummond and Goran Dragic is not too exciting. Bringing back Zach Levine, great, giving him the max. You can argue he's overpaid, whatever. They needed to do it. You got to resign your really your all-star players. They did it. And then re-signing Derek Jones Jr. was very bizarre. Uh, nice player on uh, in a vacuum, but given the roster construction, the lack of three shooting on the roster, didn't really really make sense to bring him back when they have other guys like Javante Green who are kind of similar. So overall, and they drafted Dale and Terry in the first round. Overall, just underwhelming. Not using, not going into tax, not using all, not doing all that spending, even though they did were able to give whatever they re-signed Zach. Which was pretty much a no-brainer. Like I, there was some rumors out there that oh maybe Zach is going to shop around. Oh uh, maybe he like was wasn't thrilled with throws and like taking his spot. I think that was all just like leverage clutch BS. He was always coming back. It seemed like, but the additions they're banking on continuity was like the buzzword uh, all off season and coming into media today. So underwhelming to say the least. But we'll see. <laughs> I mean, you just relayed a lot in there. Yeah. And I think I probably agree with everything you said. The only thing I'm just like the Daniel Gallinari stuff with the mid-level, at least that was in the ether. And you could argue, I think, as you just mentioned, that they sort of dodged catastrophe there with yeah. his ACL injury. Uh, I still want to know, and I don't mean to list this guy for every team, but I want to know why TJ Warren was going to Brooklyn on the minimum. Like, is, are his medicals that fucked up? Or because if I was, I've said this about the Bucks, I would have said it about the Bulls. I would have thrown him more money than that just to take the one-year flyer on the player yeah. that T.J. Warren could technically be. Yeah, Warren uh, was a guy I know Bulls fans are talking about. I think we brought him up talking about it. It seems like, because I think I saw today when he did his media day thing that like he's still like not cleared to play, that he's like, I think he's able to do, he might be able to do some stuff, but like he's not like game ready. And it, I mean, he hasn't played in what, two or three years now? So it just seemed like, yeah, like his foot, I think it's his foot or whatever, just like it's not, there's just major concerns there. So at the minimum, it's like, whatever. If he doesn't work out, you cut him. It's fine. Right. You worry about giving him a little more than that. But, like, you give him a little more than that, it's like, whatever. It might be worth a gamble, especially with a team like the Bulls that could use some outside shooting, some extra scoring up the bench. Uh, definitely was a guy I was interested in. But it just really does seem like the medicals there were crap. And that's her just taking a chance on him. But, I mean, I would have been fine. Even with the crap medicals, like, I would have been totally fine signing him just – uh, to add that little extra scoring shooting punch that the Bulls clearly need. And that's why like, the Gallinari stuff, I was, I did not love the idea of like giving Gallo. I mean, what do you end up getting? Six, seven million a year. Like I didn't love it. And like, I wouldn't have loved like giving him the full mid level just because I mean, he's older. He's on the decline. He's had the injury problems. And of course he tears his ACL, but I mean, he at least would have, I guess, helped a clear need that the Bulls do have because they have a major lack of shooting on the roster, especially with Lonzo out. So at least he would have done that. So I don't know. It's, it was, I do understand some people to an extent saying like, well, who we could you have really signed who would have really made much of a difference. And like, ultimately, yes, like these guys on the margins wouldn't have made a difference between the bulls being like a championship contender and not this season, but like the margins do matter. And when you, when, when you add stuff up like that, it also helps with like whatever trade pieces uh, and stuff like that, just for salary purposes as well. And that, that almost just kind of made me mad. Like just having, like Drummond and Dragic have like no trade value. Like if they would have had a guy at like eight or nine million, like I mentioned yeah. Hardenstein again, like you have a young player on eight million year contract. That's at least like a good trade ship. But like what they did, they added just some like veteran 
the okay guys. Like they're better than some of the bums that were on the end of the Bulls roster last year, but that's a very low bar. So it's like it just again, underwhelming, not very exciting stuff. So you look back at last season, and I was surprised. I guess not surprised because we watched it in real time, but like they were atop the East for a really, yeah. really, really long time. And so I'm wondering games. Like, yeah, and you also just go back, and there was clearly you could break down their season probably into like eight or nine different segments. But I look <laughs> at weird. like the first time Lonzo Ball left the lineup, it was just after Christmas and health and safety protocols. They're eighth in defense. Everything's coming. Then for the rest of the year after that, he came back for like a hot minute and then was out again with injuries. Uh, they were 27th in defense after that. How do you like how much stock do you subscribe to how good the Bulls were for a large chunk of last year and at I guess close to full strength because it felt like they were never really truly at full strength. Right. Yeah. So I probably talked myself into being better than they actually were at the start of last year. They, I mean, they were 39 and 21 through 60 games. That was top of the East. DeMar and his clutch play absolutely probably helped them cl- like just luck wise. I mean, he had two straight game winners that were ridiculous. The game winning three pointers he hit on new year's Eve and new year's day, ridiculous yeah. shots, low percentage that usually won't go in. There's, I mean, that's a couple right there. He was the best clutch, clutch player in the NBA last year. For Basically, it was him and Joel Embiid, like right up there with the most clutch points. He His efficiency in the clutch, ridiculous. So like, I think that helped luck-wise, gave them a few more wins than maybe they should have had. Uh, if you look, I think even if you look at their net rating when they were 39 and 21, like it, it wasn't, wasn't they were like a dominant, like plus six, plus seven. I'm pretty sure they were like plus three or plus four maybe at that point. I don't remember exactly, but they were like a dominant 39 and 21. So they probably weren't quite as good as maybe we were talking. I was hyping myself into them being. They were still a dang good team, though. And like you're right about like the health stuff. They were never really that healthy. Their best lineup, their closing lineup, Lonzo, Alex Caruso, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic played under 100 minutes last year. They had a net rating of something like, I think it was like 12 or 13. They were elite defensively. They were good enough offensively. Uh, and probably had some more upside. They never had Patrick Williams, or they basically didn't have Patrick Williams last year. So like, they were a dang good team. I said, maybe not title contender, but like if healthy, like maybe they actually could have like finished fourth or fifth and maybe they win a series. And maybe that, maybe that's how it plays out. And, but then the back quarter of the season or the last 20 games when they don't have Lonzo, when Zach's got his knee problem, Caruso was it obviously had the, the drag the Grayson Allen thing, which put him out for a while. He did come back, but he was never quite himself even when he came back and he had some other injuries stuff too. Take those two guys out at, like, at their full strength. Lonzo and Caruso kind of made, just made that defense. Defense craters. But then the offense also fell off a cliff. Zach wasn't quite himself. No Lonzo's three-point shooting. I think they were like I think they were last in three-point rate for that like last half of the season. And their offense just totally fell off a cliff. So they were bad on both ends. And they're getting their ass beat just every single night. 20-point blowouts with a really tough schedule. They played like the Celtics a few times. They played the Heat a few times. Some other really good teams. And they just couldn't hang. Uh, and like if they were fully healthy, like would they have been better? Like I don't think they would have gotten blown out like they had. But like would they have beaten those teams a lot more? Would they have – maybe you get them to like 50 wins or something like that. But would they have been – the number would they still have ended up top in the east if they were mostly healthy? Uh, I don't know about that. I think they probably still come back, back to the pack, but it was just a strange season because of all the weird injury stuff, two key players, and then just like with that back back portion of the schedule being very difficult, the, their closing schedule it just it made them look way worse. So like, were they at were they that bad <laughs> that last part of the year and then into the playoffs when they won one game and then they got smoked in the last three games against the Bucks? They're not that bad. Were they as good as they were at the start of the year? P- 
probably not, probably more a little vex. So now you come back into this season and it's like, so where, what exactly are they? And then they don't have Lonzo and it's like, they're probably okay to decent. <laughs> and a lot of question marks still. This is skipping ahead on the rundown. I sent you, but you mentioned <laughs> DeMar DeRozan's clutch play and this is just wild. So like unpredictable has a clutch win probability added metric. And it's just like, none of these metrics are end all be alls, but DeMar DeRozan ranked first in the NBA in clutch win probability added at 5.84. Second place was Nikola Jokic at 2.63. And so he more than doubles up <laughs> yeah. in second place. Is there like a concern at all about how this team can forget? And I'm delaying Alonzo stuff way too much at this point, but is there like a concern? <laughs> what happens if just DeMar DeRozan isn't all NBA caliber this year? He is 33. And like, I don't mean, I'm not, I'm not going to predict it. His game should age well. I tend to think that over the past few seasons, he's just become incredibly underrated, especially as like dating back to his last couple of years with the Raptors, he might be like the single most underrated pick and roll passer in basketball. And that's not hyperbole. So just like, does that, is that something you've thought about at all? Or am I just jumping way too hard? Oh no, absolutely. Front? I mean, and if you look at his like Spurs numbers, like his scoring wasn't as high, but like his assists went up and like, he was still like ridiculously efficient shooting wise. Like he was just playing with mediocre Spurs teams and no one cared about them. Uh, I am concerned about the clutch stuff coming down, even like a little regression there, I think probably means a, a couple, few less, a few uh, less wins. Uh, like again, yeah, the number you just pointed out, I mentioned some of like the clutch stuff. I think he was like 54% shooting in the clutch. And like, that's a heavy diet of contested, difficult mid range, the hardest shots in basketball. Like, he was I know, just... And like, again, yeah, his game should age well because he is a master at his craft his footwork. He still gets guys to uh, bite on all his pump fakes and all that kind of stuff. So like that stuff should stick. But even if that like 54, 55% shooting comes down to like 49 or 50% in the clutch here and there, those few points could mean a few less wins. And like that could affect what happened, the standings for sure. So that's absolutely something I've thought about because I mean, he just had the best season of his career probably at age 32 33 like can he do that again that's a lot to ask even if he still is really good i know he had some great quotes today about people doubting him talking about how it's free energy and demar is absolutely awesome to listen to just so many hilarious analogies too and like it was great but like again it is just a lot to ask of him to do that again so if he does regress you just have to hope zach being healthy that maybe he can help step up in the in the clutch other guys patrick williams need a leap from him I mean, you still have Nikola Vucevic. I know he was a point of contention last year, but I mean, still a pretty good player. So if DeMar does fall back, you just have to hope the other guys can help pick up the slack at least a little bit. So Lonzo Ball, yeah. how how concerning is this just left knee issue in general? And then how much does it impact the Bulls to start the season? Because you're without Lonzo, who I think is just, he's mission critical to their shooting, as you mentioned. I think he's really important to the way that they were defending early on last season. And then also... This is just something I stumbled into today. Positive residual has the Bulls having one of the 10 toughest schedules in the league through the month of November, which is just like under Lonzo's current timeline, like he's probably going to miss like all of October and November would be the assumption or at least close to it. And so like how, how big of an issue is this? Oh, it's awful. Like I said, it's hanging over this team. It's been hanging over the team all off season. I mean, he was, he underwent, he, his last game he played was January 14th. Uh, and then he had certain neat meniscus surgery, meniscus surgery two weeks later. Six to eight weeks was what it was supposed to be. And then, like, it just kept getting pushed back and back and back. And then they ruled him out for the season, playoffs and all that stuff. And then we keep going into the summer. And it's like, oh, he's 
progressing, but like maybe not as fast as he hoped. Like AK at Summer League was like, you know, just yeah, literally just came out and said, you know, it's not going as fast as we would like. And it's just like alarm bell, alarm bell is ringing. At that point, it's just like this dude's going to need another surgery, isn't he? Sure enough, last week they announced that he's going to go under the knife again. Uh, and that uh, I think Wednesday it's going to happen. Four to six weeks reevaluation. And that's not like he's going to be ready in four to six weeks. AK today says, we don't know. We don't have a timeline. We don't know when he's going to be ready. So, like, I am not expecting him back or at least back to, like, himself until 2023. Maybe that's even generous just because of how long he's been out. Obviously, super unfortunate. It's brutal because he does mean so much to them. Three-point shooting. He took seven or eight threes a game last year at 42%. Bulls have a low, had a low three-point rate with him. Without him, as I mentioned, they were, like, worse in the league. And they did not do anything to address that, really, this offseason. Defense, as we mentioned, him and Caruso uh, basically were running that thing. They were the engines of that defense, top 10 defense to start last season, just the perimeter, the ball pressure, team defense, all that stuff. Passing, he's the best passer on the team. The transition stuff, their transition offense was, I believe, one of the better uh, ranking ones in the NBA when he was out there. Once he's not out there, like the look-ahead passes, all that kind of stuff, uh, just it went into the tubes and just like aesthetically, like him just leading the break and getting them out in transition just helped make them just way more fun as well. So like you lose all of that. He's the glue of the team. One of their only legit two way players. That's how you end up being just way worse without him on the court. So it is a huge problem. And that beginning, that beginning schedule, they have a bunch of back to backs like really early, mm-hmm. um, which is tough. Uh, as you mentioned, it's a very difficult schedule at the start. So it's not great. So like there, these other guys, I mean, like other guys are gonna have to step it up. I mean, they still have some talent there. You still have two all-star scores with uh, DeMar, DeMar and Zach. Vooch is still a decent center. And then you have to hope that that internal development, Patrick Williams, Ayodesumu, and we'll see who starts in place. Alonzo, Billy Donovan did not say who it would be. Would it be Io? Would it be Caruso? Would it be Dragic? I don't know. I kind of hope. I would lean, I would hope for Io or Caruso, like Dragic. I know maybe he's the veteran, AK likes him, but I just don't know how much he has left. And I'd rather give Io had a really nice rookie season. I'd rather give him a chance. He started a ton of games last year anyways, mm-hmm. built some nice chemistry with the guys. Or Caruso, because he's just one of your, what, four or five most impactful players. So just start one of those guys. Uh, but we'll see. Either way, I mean, it's just, the Bulls don't have anybody who can replicate everything that Lonzo brings. Such a unique player. One of the best role players in the NBA. Monet probably will never be an all-star, but he just does so many things to help bring it all together for them. And that's why it just his absence was so was so glaring last year. And it's, it's going to be pretty glaring to start the season as well. And they're just going to have to hope that he's back at some point. Patrick Williams, you mentioned him. The Bulls, I think you probably have said they're really high on him, but implicitly the lack of like trade rumors tied to him this summer that just implies that they're super high right. on him. Yeah. Uh, is he like, aside, I guess, from Lonzo's health, is he now the biggest swing piece on this team aside from that? And then aside from his own availability, which was an, it has been an issue for him, what is like the biggest thing the Bulls need to, to see from him this year? First of all, sw- biggest swing piece besides Lonzo, I would say absolutely yes. Clearly, as you mentioned, like they have a lot of faith in him. He was their first, this front office's first high lottery pick, number four. Uh, and with with these trade rumors, like there was stuff at the last deadline, like, oh, should the Bulls trade Patrick Williams for like Jeremy Grant, Harrison Barnes? Seems like that is not something they ever entertained. Like we talked about it. We thought like, hey, maybe that might be a decent idea when the Bulls were top of the East. Like 
Patrick right. Williams isn't playing, like maybe they can go to proven four and maybe they will be a contender. Doesn't sound like based on the reporting out there that that was something they ever considered, like Jeremy Grant or anything like that. Uh, and then this offseason was the Rudy Gobert stuff. And like there was it seemed like they weren't really sure or in on including him for Rudy Gobert. Honest, it did not come down to Patrick Williams. I don't think the Bulls would do not have the draft picks or did not have the draft picks to match that kind of capital the Timberwolves give up. And I don't think they would have. I probably wouldn't have wanted to do that either. But when it seemed like the Bulls might have had a chance, and like there were some rumblings that oh, the Bulls like might be the front runner right now, and if like if they're with- willing to put like Patrick Williams on the table, and like it, it doesn't seem like they are, but like maybe they'll ultimately do it. The fact that they were like waffling on it clearly means that they're still very high on him, even though last season was basically a lost season for him, as he had the wrist injury five games in, and his rookie season he showed some nice things, but like. I mean, he certainly was no Scotty Barnes. I mean, Scotty Barnes is like the easy comp. Both Florida State guys are kind of similar players as as versatile forwards. So like, Patrick Williams' rookie season was nowhere near Scotty Barnes' rookie season. So, like, just how good is Patrick Williams? And a lot of it co- might come down to just, like, the mentality. And that seems to be a big question mark. Like, does he have the cliche? Does he have that dog in him? And I do not know. Uh, he has shown too much hesitation when he plays, offensively at least, like, he certainly has some of the skill set and like the NBA body to be like a really good player. Does he have that in him where he is like he will go get it, where he will put his imprint on games? But just too often he floats around in the background, was invisible. And like for such a young guy, you can you'll know, I get it. And like last season when you miss most of the year, like coming back into a playoff race, that's tough. I mean, that's I don't want to like put be too harsh on the guy for like not doing much last season because he was hurt most of it. He had some moments when he came back. He started to get a, like the last couple of games against Milwaukee people point to. He had like a, I think a couple 20 point games. They were in blowouts. Like, I don't know how much to really take from those, but like he's had his moments and he looks like he could be a good player because he's six, seven, six, eight. He's got like huge hands, huge thighs. I mean, like they, like people like to make the Kawhi stuff just because he kind of looks like him and like kind of moves on him. I don't want to make any Kawhi comparisons because those are ridiculous because how good Kawhi is, but like, if you like squint and like kind of watch and play, it's like you can kind of see like, oh yeah, like I can see why the most optimistic people ever would think maybe there's like a baby Kawhi in there. But like, so like for him on the court this year, needs I, I, he'll definitely be better. I'm I'm pretty confident that I know he slimmed down a bit, uh, just get to get in better shape, uh, to develop his skill set. It'll be interesting to see just how they use him. He talked about how they have a different offense in place. Well, I'm curious, really curious to see how that plays out. Because a lot of the times he's just been kind of been used as a floor spacer and they'll need him to shoot threes. Like that he can't be hesitant to shoot open threes. The Bulls need him to shoot open three pointers because of the lack of shooting. And he's been a good three point shooter in his career. He needs to do that. Would just also love to see him be just more aggressive, taking on more ball handling stuff. Uh, so I'm curious also to see like how Billy uses him like with different lineups. And because like there was a lot of stuff last year with like DeMar with like lead bench units, and it'd basically just be him doing his thing with like four guys standing around watching him. I'd love to see Patrick Williams get more like opportunities to like handle the ball and like run pick and roll against bench units. Uh, whether that's with DeMar or whether that's like maybe him and Zach doing that because DeMar's not as much of an off ball player. Uh, I just love to see a little more Patrick Williams on ball reps just to help develop him. I mentioned Scotty Barnes again. Scotty Barnes talking about how he oh he's always been a point guard and he loves playing point guard. There was all this stuff about when Patrick Williams came out, like, oh, he like played point guard in high school, and like he's got these ball skills. It's like I would sh- sure love to see more more of that as opposed to him just standing in the corner and shooting open threes. Even though that will still be just naturally a part of his game when you're playing with 
Demar, Zach, and Vooch, and he's going to be a fourth or fifth option offensively. Then defensively, they're going to need him to be a stopper. I mean, he's one of the only wings on this team, only legitimate like six, seven, six, eight guys, one of the only power forwards. So they're going to need him to be that guy who guards superstar wings. Uh, and he's had, he's taken on all these assignments already, uh, hit or miss. And obviously, for such a young he guy, he was good he, at it his rookie season. I remember yeah, being. Yeah, he had, he had his moments bar. like where he'd yeah. where he'd where he'd slow down. He'd get his stops on Giannis. He'd get his stops on LeBron. He took his he took his beatings too. He took his poundings, but like he took on those battles. Uh, and you learn from it. You learn from that stuff, and you just hope that he keeps getting better and that he could be at some point be that defensive stopper on the wing that basically every really good team needs. So like. If you're looking at like stats and stuff like that, I think he averaged like eight points a game like the last couple of years. Like you hope he adds what maybe five to seven to that and can be around like 13 to 15 points a game. Like maybe 15 is even too much, but like to see a bit more usage offensively, a bit more aggressive, and just like being willing to go just like do it. Because I mean, there, there, there are just moments where like it, it, it explodes and it comes out. It's like, where is this guy more often? And, 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 but then other games where he's just hanging around the perimeter, just like not doing that much. He's just got to bring that mentality every night, uh, both ends of the court. And I mean, there is a lot of pressure on him uh, with this whole continuity thing. They're relying a lot on him to get a lot better and to make this leap. So there's pressure on him. Um, and if like he doesn't, uh, he'll be an easy scapegoat. Just like, well, this guy's a bust. Right. Uh, he's bad. And like that hurt that would, and if they then look to trade him, like obviously the value is probably down if he doesn't take that step in his third season. So there is a lot of pressure on him to get, get better and help this team. If he does make a leap and he is actually an impact guy that just, I mean, that kind of changes the track to tra- trajectory on the bulls a bit and le- makes their future a bit more bright. Because I know some people with where they are now with the Lonzo stuff and like their, their core is a little aging with Vooch and Damar and uh, some of the other roster construction questions. It's like, well, where is this team actually going? And they're out all these draft picks. Patrick Williams being really good would at least help, help change that uh, outlook at least a little bit. This is just going to step on the toes of what you said, but there's like a, and Scotty Barnes was, I want to make it clear, is already better than Patrick Williams. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. Even when Scotty Barnes is aggressive on offense, the processing speed of what he's doing can be kind of slow and overly methodical. When Patrick Williams last year decided to do things like dribble into jumpers or attack the basket, like there was a very, like accelerated processing speed there that made me wonder this guy could do more than float around the perimeter on offense. I just wonder, and this is what you talked about. This is why I'm just echoing you. I don't know if you have the room to experiment with him on this team, maybe with Lonzo out you do, but even then, I don't know, like you're a team with immediate aspirations. You're not going to say, Hey, Patrick Williams, uh, you're going to run second units and you're going to orchestrate like five or six pick and rolls a game or something. Right. Yeah. That's, that is the tough part because you're not in rebuild mode. You're trying to win now. Uh, but I think I, th- I think there still is some room to at least experiment a little bit in the regular season against those second units, maybe even against like bad teams or maybe in blowouts stuff like that. You need to do something to develop him because you can't. Uh, this guy is a huge part, theoretically a huge part of your future. So you need to. It's a tough balancing act between doing all you can to win now and developing Patrick Williams for whether it's to be one of your future stars or t- for a possible trade ship uh, for the deadline or next offseason or whatever. Nikola Vucevic did not have a good year last year. I would say it's it's fair to frame it that way. Yep. Was how much he struggled overblown at all? Like, let's just say he shot like for the year. But I know there was a time where he like was missing everything. Yeah. But let's just say he shot like two or three percentage points higher on three pointers. Are we even viewing 
his season is negatively. He still shot like 54% on twos. I still think he's very like, he's just this good through line passer where stuff yeah. can connect yes. through him on offense. Um, are you concerned about like him leading into this season? What was, what was actually the biggest problem aside from the, the outside shooting was with him last year. And again, were those struggles just a little bit overblown? So probably a little bit overblown. I think like he easy scapegoat. I, I compared him recently to like the Carlos Boozer stuff when like Boozer was starting to like trend downhill for the bulls. Like still pretty good, still productive. You look at his like final numbers and like, well, this guy's still a pretty good player, like double doubles on the regular, pretty good passer. Uh, but then obviously like the defensive miscues can always look worse for those big guys who are slow footed. And it's like, just easy to be like pick and roll defense that's on Vooch. And like, Sometimes it is uh, because he he has those shortcomings, but like, and having Lonzo and Crusoe out there early in the season helped mask some of that. And like Vooch is decent enough at like positioning and using his hands and being in the right spots where like, if you have stud perimeter defenders uh, Fort wreaking havoc and just like funneling to him, then he's fine. Obviously if you don't have that in, in the point guards and guards are just blowing up, uh, blowing up the perimeter defenders off the dribble leaving Vooch on an island, then he's going to look bad. The problem with like, his season overall, offensively at least, was he, just the inconsistency. And then he just had some like really bad, bad games or like total clunkers against good teams where it's like, this guy looks totally overmatched. Like, so which makes you worried. It's like in games that matter, like in the playoffs, like is this guy just going to get run off the court? He actually wasn't that bad against the Bucks. I'm pretty sure his numbers were like fine. Uh, his shooting numbers weren't great. It was just, he took like I think like ten threes a game. He just yeah, his his volume was like yeah. jacked yeah. up. Yeah, because right? I mean the Bucks, as we know, we know they will yeah. let you shoot open threes. We saw them let Grant Williams shoot however many threes in in that game seven, and he but he, and he was able to make make them. Vooch, they let him shoot open. They let the basically the Bulls in general. I think we're shooting like fifty threes. Talk about the Bulls three point rate being low last year. That Bucks series, they were taking open threes because it was all their awful shooters to like Jared Jones Jr. and Javante Green and. I mean, Vooch isn't an awful shooter, but he only made 31% on like nine or 10 threes a game. They were just letting Bulls bad shooters take open threes. It would be great to get Vooch back to 35-ish percent around league average. The problem, of course, is like when the Bulls traded their trade for Vooch, they give up Wendell Carter. They gave up two first-round picks. Uh, Wendell that, Carter looks like a stud. Yeah, you know, Wendell had a, yeah, had a really nice season. I think, I think Wendell needed a fresh start. Uh, I don't know if it was ever going to happen for him in Chicago, but good player seems like he'll he's going to develop into like a really solid long-term player in the nba but it's clear that the bulls gave up too much Vooch when they traded for him he's in the midst of like a 25 and 12 season shooting like 40 some percent from three remember this was the non-fans covid season and if you look at like his his career three-point percentage huge outlier that yeah. season where he was over 40 percent every other season besides that like the season before that i think he was at like 36 35 which and I think even before that, it was like 33. Okay, so get him up to like 35, 36%. And things would look a bit better. But again, I think the inconsistency was an issue. It was like the beginning of the year, even when the Bulls were going well, like Vooch was just like botching layups left and right. And it was just really frustrating to watch. He did, as you mentioned, bring up that two-point percentage a lot as the season went on. But like, it just never really felt like he ever truly got into a huge groove. He had some really nice stretches. If you go back and look at his like game logs and stuff like that, like, he had a few nice stretches and months where like he was averaging like 20 and 10 and like looked kind of like the all-star Vooch, mm -hmm. but with the inconsistency and then the, when the defense fell apart towards the back half of the season, again, easy scapegoat for the man in the middle to look bad defensively when you have a bad defensive team. So it's like, 
So now, like, looking ahead, it's like, can Vooch get that three-point percentage up? He talked about how he thought he was focusing too much on, maybe focusing too much on three-pointers last year. I don't really agree with that. He took four and a half a game. That's about right. He took, like, over six two years ago. Was that, I think, four and a half three years ago? Like, around four or five, per, I think the Bulls need him to take those shots because, of again, the lack of shooting and spacing on this roster. They need Vooch to take some threes. If he can just get that up, again, to a round league average, 34 35%. And I know that, like, over a course of a long season – that's like not even that many threes to like get no. go from 31 to 35. But I mean, here and there in the right spots, maybe that means a few more wins if you make those shots. If you can get that back up, he's never going to be a big free throw guy. That's just never been his game. He's kind of a softier on the rim. So like, I don't think you can expect much more there. And then you just have to hope that I guess the defense holds up with no Lonzo there. That hurts. You need Crusoe there. Hopefully he stays healthy. So it's like, it's just a weird situation with Vooch. He's in his contract year. We've been talked a lot about trading him. Like, should the Bulls go we talk the Gobert stuff? Obviously, then like, should the Bulls go like try Miles Turner? Like, do they just need like a different look, uh, like a, and a more defensive presence when you have Zach Levine and Demar Derozan as your two best players? Uh, but then like Vooch, you mentioned the passing stuff. Like Vooch is a very good passer. Like Vooch is a very unique skill set for a center, uh, in terms of being able to sh- shoot decently well from the outside. In terms of being able to pass and be a high post hub of the offense. He's still very good at doing that. And he's still a decent low post score. But if you just like look at it all together in terms of like the low true shooting below it, league average, the disappointing three point shooting doesn't get to the line. And then the defense being what it is like passable when you have the right guys around him, but damaging when he like, he, he's not, he's not fixing mistakes. And it's like, is this the right guy at whatever he is? What is he like 31, 32 now? Another just kind of a weird spot entering a contract year. And uh, I don't know if the, there were rumors about like extension stuff. Uh, I would give him maybe a short-term team-friendly deal. I don't know if he has any reason to take anything like that. I'd be surprised if they sign him an extension. But uh, so, yeah, like I just, I'm not really sure what to expect out of Vooch this season. Honestly, if he does what he does last year, it'll be frustrating. But like, I think that's really all you can expect as like a third option playing with Zach and Devara's he averaged like 17 or 18 and 11 and 10, three or four assists a game. Like get that three point percentage up and it looks a little better. And that that's probably like really all you can ask for at this point. Yeah. Hopefully I'll just be more comfortable. Like he was off the ball more last year than yeah. he was definitely used to in Orlando. Yeah. How do you feel about the center rotation overall now though? Just, I'm not an Andre Drummond guy and like, there is like, yeah. And it's just like, so are we the, I guess the twofold question here are the bulls built to experiment up front then or like Derek Jones jr. Or Patrick Williams play some five, or maybe they're the front court together. Or is this, you already mentioned his name. So this is not going to be, I can't throw it out now to make it think like I put like a ton of thought into this. I kind of felt like Chicago was a dark horse destination for like miles Turner and buddy healed like a mega package that would end up with those two. Like, is this something that the team looks to address via trade to diversify its, its five rotation um, during the middle of the season. Yeah. First, so first of all, with Drummond, I'm not a Drummond guy. I mean, he's productive still. And like, I, I tell myself that like, he's better than Tony Bradley. I think he's like, Tony Bradley can't catch a pass. And he's sometimes good at being very Tony Bradley might be better at defending in space though. Right. Yeah. He's, and he can be, he's good at being large. Cause I think he's got like a seven, five wingspan. And like there were times against like slow footed big centers where like Tony Bradley would swat shots back in their face, but like giving you zero offensively because he just can't catch a ball or dribble a ball and do anything like that. And Drummond, like Drummond can do it, but then there's other times where like he tries to do stuff and it's just like absolutely ridiculous. And it turns into awful turnovers. Like you don't want him doing too much of that. And like, so with Vooch and Drummond, they're almost, obviously Drummond can't shoot threes, but like 
kind of similar in terms of just being slow footed, like good rebounders can't really not great at protecting the rim. So like kind of similar there. Someone asked, I think Billy Donovan today, like, Oh, would you ever see like playing Vooch and Drummond together? And I was like, if there are ever any times in like real minutes, Kurt Rambis ever happened today. Yeah. And I was like, that better not ever happen. Someone in my Twitter was like, the only time that will ever happen is if like you badly need a rebound, like on a free throw in like the last second. And like, maybe you'll have them out on the court together, but like, otherwise those guys better not ever play together. So looking past that, they do have others. I mean, they still have Tony Bradley on the roster. Why? I don't know. Get him out of here. Sell somebody else. Uh, I mean, he's your third center, but like, he's also just very pretty similar in terms of just being a big, slow-footed guy. And then they have, they have Marcus Simonovich uh, as a center as well, uh, who killed the G League last year and was a summer league standout. But I don't think he's, I don't think he's an NBA player. And then, but then, and then they have like no power forwards. They have Patrick Williams, who I do think I would love to see them try some Pat, Patrick Williams at the five. Billy Donovan did bring that up today. They did try Derek Jones Jr. at the five in small doses, which I think works. Well, he's got long arms. He can jump out of the gym. I know he's only like six, five and he's skinny. In certain matchups, you can get away with it for at least small doses. So I think they will try sometimes to play maybe smaller depending on matchups. But I mean, I think with between Vooch and Drummond, this will probably be the two main centers. Um, I mean, there will be injuries and stuff like that. But in terms of addressing it, I don't know. It was like, like, a, like Miles Turner has been on the trade block for what five years now, like forever, basically. Decades, maybe, yeah. Since he uh, and I know what, league, whatever I his name, their GM came out and said, "Oh no, we're not trading him." But it, I mean, guys say anything, and guys get traded later. But I mean, literally, I mean, Miles Turner has been in trade. Like, I don't know how Miles Turner isn't on the Hornets yet because I feel like the Hornets every season have been linked to Miles Turner. If I guess it could depend on just like how things start and this if the season goes bad starts bad like maybe they look to change things up with Vooch in the center's rotation they try to make a trade like that I'm not really sure what a trade would look like what they would want to give up for someone like Miles Turner but who's like also Miles Turner like the idea of him is always I feel like has always been better than the reality of him like he is obviously a great defender I think he was a defensive player of the year to candidate once but like offensively he seems to think he's better than he really is like also a good shooter but doesn't do that much else offensively so it's like I, I get the idea of like wanting to just like change the look and bringing in turner to be a defensive guy who can also shoot a little bit uh right. not the best rebounder he, like, he certainly is not good as good as rebounding at vooch but like just changing the look up uh because as your t- when you have a team that's your top three is zach damar and vooch clearly i mean that's defensive issues there for your top three guys and they signed lonzo and caruso to help make up for that but lonzo's not playing so like Maybe you just need to change it because I think last season there was a stat where I looked that like Vooch, Demar, and Zach played like they played I think like over a thousand minutes together. I can't remember exactly how many it was, and their net rating was like even. So like whatever, taking all the other guys in and out of the lineup, those three guys as your three All Star level players played a lot of minutes together, and they had a, like an even net rating. That's not great. So like there could come a point where it's like we just need to change something here with these top guys and. Maybe they do look for a Miles Turner or some some maybe a more defensive presence, but I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> That's you saying that, and it made me look at, at it really quick because I didn't realize that. They played per cleaning the glass outside of garbage time. They played 20, 24, about 2,500 possessions together, and their net rating was a negative 0.5. Yeah. That's like, yep. Which makes sense because of like, wow. That's just the story of the Bulls season. Just yeah. And then obviously, obviously, a lot of that kit was coming back from the, from the hot start at the end of the year, but I mean, still like, 
if you have those three guys and those uh, theoretical also, I mean, they are also, but it's not theoretical. Vooch is more of a theoretical also at this point. Even without Alonzo and Caruso, you would hope you're paying those three guys a lot of money, like that they could at least be a little better than that altogether, even against really good teams. But they were just getting smoked nightly and that brought back that overall net rating for the season to be right around mediocre. And the Bulls, by the end of the season, I think their net rating at the end of the season was negative or it like was. very close. Yeah. Very close. So like after all that, after being in first 60 games in, that disastrous last quarter of the season put them into, put them into the negative. It's pretty crazy. It's kind of apropos that I'm waiting this long to ask you about Zach Levine because I, I, re-signing him was the right move. It was never a question to me. No brainer. Good good decision. And he's he's turned into like one of the five best off the dribble shooters in the league, yep. I think, especially from beyond the arc. Is there just any concern though that like, oh hey, this guy just had left knee surgery himself too? <laughs> I mean, he said he's feeling good. Uh, you hope that. I mean, what he's had injury problems throughout his career. Pretty bad. Imagine if that was like Zach Levine just was yeah. like, nah, I'm not feeling yeah, great. No. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, I mean, last year was such a weird year for him. It was two years ago. Again, that I think the non-fan year, his like efficiency was off the charts. Last year, like his year started, he had the weird wrist thing or like or thumb. He had some hand injury that was like bugging him. Then he like started to really pick things up at one point in like December, July, or January. And then he has the knee thing for the last whatever half of the season, and then he has the surgery. So now you hope that he is now fully past this stuff. You always worry a little bit about knee stuff and knee surgeries because it's this isn't his first one. He had the ACL tear back before the Bulls signed him. So it's not like this is his first ro- rodeo with knee injuries. He's missed time throughout his career with with some stuff like this. So always a little bit a little worry. But uh I'm gonna be optimistic about Zach Levine. I think he's gonna have a really nice season, a big season, uh, maybe even a little better than last year. I mean, he still had even with like a injury plagued kind of down year last year it seemed like he was a little more quiet especially that back half of the season again where he was playing through the knee injury uh just was did not never really seem like that explosive self where he would have the games where he'd hit eight or nine threes and go for like 40 plus points and some of that's also demar Derozan being there because he was the one scoring 40 points and like on 50 percent shooting whatever eight straight games whatever he did uh that record he set but zach just never seemed quite himself the second half of the year just didn't have those big consistent big games I feel like we'll see hopefully at least a bit more of that this season, maybe get a scoring average up a little. And again, as we mentioned before with DeMar, make hopefully make up for any possible regression that DeMar has. Um, like, will there be any other like big steps in like Zach's game? I don't know. This is what year seven or eight for him now. Like, I don't know if he's got another like level to take as like a playmaker defense. I think he has gotten better defensively. We saw when he played with the Olympic team and when he like, buckles down and tries defensively like he's okay he's not great he'll never be like a lockdown guy but he's uh, he's gotten better for sure so like i don't know if he has another level to his game where he can like ever become like a top 10 guy but like i think when healthy i mean he's been a couple time all-star borderline top 20 guy one of the most efficient players in the game when as you mentioned one of the best off the dribbles shooters i mean they, i would love to see them him use use him more off the ball in terms of catch and shoot stuff on getting him open and with that kind of, th- I, I want him to, I was doing cash considerations earlier today. I was thinking like with Lonzo out and with this roster having no three point shooting, I'd love to see Zach. like just start chucking threes almost not quite like Steph, like Steph takes what 12, a game, 12, 13, a game. Do so you want to see him take seven? Dude. I would love to see Four. Zach take 10 double digit threes a game yeah. at this point to help just make up for some of that volume loss. Like I don't want him to settle too much, but like, He's so good at it. I mean, he's a 30 consistently the last few years, 38, 39, 40% from three, like get up 10 threes a game. Um, when you can run plays for him to get threes, to get open, he's a 
a good he can be a good off the ball player too. And if, when you have Demar out there, like run stuff for Zach off ball and get him open threes, get him those open catch and shoot looks. I love to see Zach shoot 10, nine, 10 three pointers a game. And I think he's gonna have a good season. It will be interesting to see, like obviously now with expectations, he's a two hundred million dollar contract. This is the first hundred million dollar contract that a Jerry Reinsworth team has ever given out to Zach Levine. Crazy factoid there. There's going to be some pressure on him, and I know fans will come down hard. So, like, whenever if Zach misses a clutch shot or if Zach makes a bad decision in crunch time, fans will be like, oh, like we shouldn't have paid Zach Levine that max contract. We should have traded him. Like, so there'll be, I'm sure there'll be some of that stuff out there. But, uh, as, as you kind of mentioned, as I mentioned before, like, it was a no brainer to pay him. Like, if you, like, if they were, if the Bulls were going to trade him, it would have been a couple years ago when before signing Zach and Demar, and then they just would have rebuilt again. And maybe in a few years, if this doesn't work out, maybe they do look at trading Zach again. But this offseason specifically, you had to pay him that contract. They did it. They didn't really haggle with him, which was nice to see. I talk about the Bulls being cheap. They actually did pay up for Zach, and they he got like pretty much everything he wanted out of that contract. He got the player option, got some other, I think, stuff. I don't even think he had like any like non guaranteed money in terms of like the injury like injury protections or anything like that. So uh he's got the big contract now hopefully he can continue playing because i mean in chicago he's basically gotten better almost every year last year notwithstanding just because the injury stuff but he earned that contract he's one of the best scorers in the nba and hopefully he can have a pretty big season i'm really looking forward to seeing him uh back at full health i'm gonna loop these two things together but where do you land on kobe white and (laughs) is he like is io desumu officially more important to this team than than Kobe White. I think you could argue that look, Kobe White had like that molten hot stretch from like late December through early February. At least his numbers were just like they were pretty absurdly efficient, I believe. Uh but Io Dusumu just does like so much like, his game is just so much more comprehensive. He's not the same yeah. off the dribble yeah. guy, obviously, but defensively you can move him around. Um they had him running like he seemed like a better option for running point than Kobe White for pretty much all of last year. So just like, what are your expectations for those two guys heading into this season? Yeah, the Kobe White thing is is frustrating. Uh, he meant like that's what you mentioned, like the molten hot, sh- and that's what Kobe does. He goes a week or two where he shoots like sixty percent from three, uh, and he'll have games where he hits eight three pointers, and it's like, like this guy's awesome. He's so fun to watch. And then the last half of ba- one of the reasons their offense goes in the tank the last quarter of last season is that Kobe White was awful. He was terrible. And like in the playoffs against the Bucks, he was unplayable. He was awful. Uh, I was not much better in the playoffs either, but you'll give him a, a little bit more of a slack as a rookie. Uh, I believe Kobe, I think they might've played around the similar amount of minutes in that series, but they were both not any good, but Kobe, obviously a bit more uh, experience at this point, And the point guard stuff really did not work out for him when they gave him that starting point guard role a few years ago. They tried that experiment. I think it is clear at this point that Kobe is best as a microwave gunner off the bench. The problem is just like, Again, consistency. It's just not there. He goes through the stretches where he's great, and then he goes through the stretches where he's he just can't make anything. Like, and he, I think he was he might have been sub thirty percent in that Buck series from three. I just know the back half of the, or the back quarter of last season he was low thirties or around thirty percent from three, and that just can't happen. I, that, when that's he was like your twenty eight percent against the Bucks, yeah, by the way. when so that's like your NBA skill is being a high volume three point shooter, but you just can't do it. I, he's only at like 35, 36, I think percent for his career. It's just not good enough for that, like that being his, like his thing. He gets up a lot of threes. He's good at getting them up. He's just way too inconsistent. So, and then, I mean, just the rest of his game just hasn't really rounded out. I mentioned the point guard stuff defensively. He's just never going to be that good of a defender. I don't think he's just, uh, the awareness isn't there. Like, I think, I feel like he got a little better last year. He tried harder, but he's still just like not that strong. 
The awareness isn't that good. So like team defense, not great. I just has way more potential as a two way player um, defensively. He's, I mean, he's long, he's active. He's, we saw the game, some of the games he had against Trey young, where he just really flustered him with his aggressiveness um, and stuff like that. Still needs, has a lot of work to do in terms of team defense. He had his share of breakdowns and all that kind of stuff, but in terms of his on, on ball man to man defense, I mean, I O just miles ahead of Kobe white in that regard. And then offensively, as you mentioned, like, he had his moments as a point guard where he showed some really nice stuff, had some nice pick and roll rapport with Nikola Vucevic. Uh, I think Io has more juiced offensive juice to his game offense uh, and scoring wise. I mean, we know how good he was in college as a scorer. He's one of the best guards in the country at Illinois. He averaged like over 20 points a game. I know some of that, that doesn't always mean anything because some of that doesn't always translate because he doesn't, he's not the most explosive guy. He doesn't have the quickest first step, but like, I think he's got enough, wiggle with his like with his dribble and his and his ability there and he that i feel like he's almost got underrated explosiveness but I, i'll point i pointed this play recently on a pod where late in the game against the pacers he drove and dunked on like multiple guys like to finish the game to, uh, for a clutch basket just dunked on multiple guys and it was like i where the heck has this been like that's incredible i didn't really know you had this kind of explosiveness in you so clearly it's kind of in there when he and he has, and I saw a stat recently as well that he was one of like the most efficient finishers on drives uh, out of rookies. He's on got like a north south oomph to him. Yeah, yeah, I think he's got more than like I was really expecting uh, in, uh, as an NBA player. So I think there's just way more potential there as an all around player, kind of as you mentioned there. I would guess Iowa will play more than Kobe. Like I said, it'll be interesting to see what Billy does in terms of starting over. Uh, uh, starting in place of Lonzo, like I, I think there's a good argument for Io. I think there's a great argument for Crusoe. I do think they'll probably also consider Dragic, but like, is he gonna I, play like a real role for this team? I guess then that's how it's like sounding. I guess I looked at how many guards they have, and I'm like, oh, if they're healthy, yeah, yeah. If Lonzo's injured, like Goran Gettys, but like if they're fully healthy, like do you expect Dragic to be like part of this rotation? I would think not, but it seems like I mean there was stuff out there in the offseason where I think Dragic was like telling European newspapers that like the Bulls told me he'd be playing 20 minutes. I don't know, like because I was I was very surprised when they signed him. I was like, because all the stuff it seemed like he was gonna go to Dallas. It's like he's got the Luca connection, they could use another maybe guard off the bench. And then it's like, oh, the Bulls signed him, which most people thought, like, okay, Lonzo's gonna miss time. Uh, this is some like insurance for Lonzo, but like I mean, it seems like he might play a decent amount. And they have, like you mentioned, they have so many guards. I haven't even mentioned the rookie, Dale and Terry, but I, I don't know how much Dale and Terry will play just because, I mean, I didn't think I was going to play much last year. And then he ended up playing like 28 minutes a game. You never know what will happen with injuries uh, and all that and health stuff. So like, I guess you just never know, but like, I would certainly prioritize IO minutes over Dragic. Caruso is obviously better. The Kobe, like it'll be interesting to see what they do with like Kobe versus Dragic minutes because. Wow. Yeah, like, like Kobe, Kobe White's in some danger. It sounds like, yeah, like, I mean, Kobe was in trade rumors. Like, there was stuff like all oh, the Bulls are trying to like dangle Kobe White in the 18th pick, but then there was other reporting out that they're like had their like asking price being like absolutely ridiculous. So it doesn't seem like there was ever anything really that serious there. So it's like if they still believe in Kobe, which I'm not really sure why, but like, I mean, he's still young, sure, but like he just hasn't shown enough. But like, if they still believe in him, like, are you really going to play Dragic over him? But then again, you're in that spot where you're, you're trying to win as many games as possible. At this point, I really don't know who's that much better between Goran Dragic and Kobe White because Dragic is old. He was he had his moments, I guess, in the playoffs with the with the Nets last year, but he was a disaster. And the and regular season was like a wash for him. How much does he have left? How much better can Kobe White actually get? I don't know. It'll. Be, I, mean, I feel like I would rather like in those scenarios. I'd rather 
take my chances with the younger guys because I'd be surprised if Dragic has like enough where it would make like would where it'd be like a huge difference. And I'd rather go with the development and if it's like all things equal, I'll go with the younger guy and hope to develop them rather than playing the old vet. But I mean, you know, NBA coaches, some, when there's a guy that like they think they can rely on a veteran, like I feel like they might go with him over the younger guy when they're trying to win games. So it'll be interesting to see how that backcourt rotation shakes out. If they're going to play Dragic in front of him, like they just need to trade him because right, yeah. now he's going nowhere but down. The, the, but then the problem also, again, is the three-point shooting on this team. They just don't have volume three-point shooting. So like if you trade Kobe White, like you at least need to get a volume three-point shooter back or you sign one somewhere. It's like Dragic is an average three-point shooter. Uh, he's always been like okay. And at this point, his career is not great. So like, if you're moving Kobe White on the rotation, like that takes away your one of your only other volume three point shooters. So it's just like, where the hell is the shooting going to come from on this team? You kind of already mentioned that you don't expect Dale and Terry to play like a real role. Uh, is there any like, do you have any early impressions of his game or any ways where he could actually help this team? Like he looks me digging into him before this. It seems like he could bring some on ball rim pressure. But if they want, I could, I think you can make a case that they need maybe more tertiary ball handling, like outside the starting lineup. But I don't know if you're going to entrust that to a rookie. And then you right. mentioned the shooting. I'm not going to trust him as a shooter. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean his his jumper looks real busted. They got to they got to work on that. Um, I mean, he seems like a really fun fun player vibes guy who at some point can bring a lot to the table with his versatility. And if he ever find, figures out that jump shot, like I think it'd be a re- really useful player. Like I could see him. And again, you never know with injury stuff, but like with the current rotation right now with Lonzo out, but if everyone else is there, like I, I find it hard to see him getting minutes. Just like you're just with looking at, and I think we'll probably go over this in a little bit, the rotation right now. Like, and that's, you're, you're just not going to be going 12 or 13 deep. And that's probably where Dale and Terry is right now in on like the depth chart. Uh, maybe there'll be times uh, throughout a long season where you need a jolt of energy. Uh, guys get nights off. There will be injuries where Dale and Terry will get minutes. Again, I said, Iowa, I was not expecting Iowa to play how much his rookie season. And then Lonzo and Crusoe miss time. Zach gets hurt, and Io ends up playing, starting like half the season and playing like twenty, almost thirty minutes a game. So, like, I mean, if that happens with Dale and Terry, the Bulls are probably absolutely screwed. But uh, uh, I would at least like to see him hopefully get a few minutes here and there. Just, I mean, it was kind of, almost kind of what we saw with Jimmy Butler his rookie season when he played like eight minutes a game. But like, there were a few games where like it was like, hey, or Jimmy Butler, go guard Carmelo Anthony as a rookie, and like he had his like moments, and like you kind of saw early on like never thought Jimmy would be what, what he, what he has become like a top 10 NBA player. But like you like kind of saw his rookie season, like, Hey, this guy like might be something like you might have a decent role player here. And uh, I think that's probably what I would like to see out of Dale and Terry, assuming he gets just kind of limited minutes of the season. So taking this roster in some and stepping back, what is the biggest concern or weakness you have? I mean, I've, I've mentioned it a million times. The three-point shooting, I think, is just going to be a major, major question mark. And, like, they have some guys, and Zach's great. Uh, we'll see if Vooch can get his numbers up. Patrick Williams is – we're going to need Patrick Williams to probably get up that volume to five, six threes a game. He is a good – percentage-wise, he's been great. He's over 40% for his career, just a hesitant three-point shooter. Going to need to see Io get that volume up. There's going to need guys who haven't been that – comfortable shooting a lot of threes be willing to get more up and then just look at the rest of the rest this was why i was surprised like Derek jones jr came back it's like i thought maybe they'd choose between him and javante green two wings forwards mm-hmm. who are just energy guys but can't shoot worth a lick and i think they brought them both back dale and terry energy guy can't shoot worth a lick crusoe energy defensive guy his shooting eh, not great either 
Uh, so they just have a bunch of like energy guards wings who just can't shoot worth a lick. So it's like, and with Lonzo out and you take away that 42% on eight attempts a game. That's why I want Zach Levine taking 10 threes a game. I think that's gonna be a big concern. Um, and, and then defensively, I guess is also just like, will they be good enough defensively? I mean, offensively, I mean, yeah, but three point shooting is definitely the biggest one. I think rebounding Drummond should help with rebounding was an issue at times last season. I think Drummond, Show up there a little. And then defensively, I guess just there's going to be a lot on Caruso's shoulders and Patrick Williams, I guess, developing as well. And I, I mean, just yeah, internal I even Io is probably going to Yeah, uh, internal yeah. development with Io and Patrick Williams. So I think number one is definitely three-point shooting because they just literally did nothing to address it. And their top, whether it's second best or maybe even best three-point shooter, is just not going to be there for half the season. Uh, it's just going to be really interesting to see how they make up for that. And like with DeMar's mid-range heavy game, like will their offense – be efficient enough without the threes and with so much mid range because like they were pretty good to start the season. I think they were top half of the league. And then they, again, they, they were one of the worst offenses in the league kind of as the season came down the stretch. So, and the, the three point shooting or lack of it or whatever was a big part of that. So I think that's going to be something to watch all season for them for sure. Are there any like trade targets that you like for them because they're a team and this could be the question if you haven't really given thought to trade targets which again we haven't started the season so it's a weird question <laughs> but they're a team because of the timeline that they're on like there's urgency there just based on right. the players they have and you know Lonzo's going to be out uh do you think that we should expect them to maybe be like before the trade deadline make some sort of i don't know if the word would be wholesale but like some pretty significant calls on the players they have to where this is a team that will be ultra aggressive as buyers this year right so yeah so much of that depends on just how the start they get out to obviously and like with Lonzo out it's like so uh, in terms of like buying like it'd be hard to see them making like a huge I mean you never know in the NBA like what like stars could become available and stuff like that or if things like go to crap uh like like if DeAndre Ayton like if he is not happy in Phoenix at when, when he be traded December, January, January 15th, like we 15th, saw him yeah. in media day today. He looked super thrilled to be there. Like if he's actually not happy there, that man, to... the vibes coming out of Phoenix. Yeah. Is bad, bad yeah. vibes in Phoenix for sure. <laughs> like, do they like, if Aiden does one out, like, do they go after Deandre? And I mean, I would think about it. I mean, I'd certainly as a, he's a, one of the best young centers in the league. Like, I thought about it this offseason. I thought it made sense to at least see what, like, the, see if there was anything going on. There's like maybe, maybe him if things go bad there. I mean, I, I've never liked Jay Crowder. And like, I would maybe at least kick the tires to see what's going on with Boss Man 99 out in Phoenix. Obviously, he wants out. Like, as I mentioned, the Bulls have like no power, like, no legit power forwards inside of Patrick Williams. It's mm-hmm. Pat, Derek Jones Jr., Devontae Green, like, Jay Crowder would be enough, and he's another guy who at least can shoot okay. I know he's very hit or miss, and he has his moment moments where he's just awful from three, but like he'll get him up for sure. So like maybe they look into Jay Crowder. Uh, I mean, here, like a lot of it also again the Patrick Williams stuff I think also plays into this. Like if Pat does not take the step they want, do they then become more open, amenable to trading him? Do they like revisit like a Harrison Barnes type thing again since he's still in Sacramento? Like. I don't, he is still in Sacramento, right? I'm not going crazy. No, yeah. Harrison Barnes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because he's been in so many rumors too. Uh, so like, do they look at him again? Uh, I mean, we, we talked about Miles Turner already. So it's like, but do then you know on the flip. Or I guess not interesting, or maybe it's concerning about them. And you kind of already alluded to this. They're not built to make anything other than like a blockbuster trade yeah. right now because of the and way. They don't have much just, salary to trade. Yeah. 
So it's like you could throw out a name like Marcus Morris, I think would be a good fit for this roster, but it's like to get to his money, you'd probably have to include Patrick Williams or Alex Caruso or Alonzo Ball, and you're just you're not going to do right. that. Or like, like Kobe's there, but like Kobe has like l- such little trade value right now. Like right. it's like the mid-size contracts right now are Kobe, Pat, and Caruso basically, and that's it. And like Two you're not trading like Caruso. Three most important players. Are you're, not, you're not trading Caruso unless you're getting a, a star player back. Pat is a young player that they clearly really love, but like hasn't really shown much. And then like Kobe has like no trade value. So there, which is going back to that whole thing about like why I wanted them to use the mid-level. I'm like someone like good and valuable because then at least that's also a trade ship, but they just, because they just don't have many tradable pieces. But then on the flip side, like if things go bad to start, I am very curious to see if they would shift into sell mode and kind of do a mini blow up. Like I don't think they're going to trade Zach. Like, would they dare? I, I don't. I, th- I feel like trading tomorrow would probably just like be a bad look. So, like, I don't think they would do that this season. Maybe that'd be like a next off season thing if things go poorly. Like I said, I don't think they trade Zach this year either. Uh, like, but like Vooch, if things go bad, like, I mean, you trade. I would look to trade Vooch as an expiring contract if things aren't going well. Um, I've already talked about Kobe, and then the, I mean, the Pat thing is also just at the center of it, like if they're kind of like meandering around and Pat's just like, whatever, like, do you try to put together a package for some type of superstar? I mean, I mentioned Aiden, who knows who else becomes available. So it is just kind of a weird spot with the lack of tradable deals with where some of these guys are in their like development tracks. And then with the veterans that they have. So I don't know, it's going to be, it's going to be tough and it'll be very fascinating to see the front off this the way this front office has operated so far has been very bizarre. It's been like super aggressive or super chill. It was like their first yeah. off season. They, they draft Patrick Williams, they sign Garrett Temple, and that right. was literally like, that was it. Then they have their trade deadline where they get super aggressive, trade too much for Vooch. And they also make it the other trade for, that was what, like Troy Brown Jr. and Daniel Tice. Then they, then they comes the DeMar, Lonzo, Caruso offseason. Great. But then last trade deadline, nothing. You signed Tristan Thompson, who was terrible. And now this offseason. Which cost you biannual too. Just in, yeah, you know, right. Like, yes. like, what What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I thought at the time that wasn't going to be a big deal. And then, of course, it blew up in my face. Uh, was he sucked and they didn't have the biannual <laughs> to use this offseason. Not that they would have used it anyways. Because they're right. Yeah, they are like. Yeah. Uh, still such uh, a And then this offseason, they're very quiet in terms of, besides Zach, they just two, uh, a couple of small signings. So it's like they've been either super aggressive or just kind of like super lame. So like now with where they are, like with this roster, what do they do during the season? Now it'll be fascinating to see They're, I think also, and they're one of the teams I I know when we're talking trades now, I think everyone looks to like the teams, you know, are going to suck where it's like, Hey, can we get Josh Richardson off the Spurs who would him or Jakob Pertle? Both of them would be fantastic. Pertle has been a, was a bulls trade target before I totally forgot to bring that good name drop there. And like, I mean, people were talking about like, should they trade well, like Kobe white and the, pick Kobe White. I think I saw the Spurs were like asking for two first round picks. I'm assuming that's not going to be a thing where Jakob Pertle goes for two first round picks, but like, would he have been a better option to start at center over Vooch this year? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like he can't shoot again. You would lose Vooch to shooting. True with like, Demar, but they, they had like pretty good chemistry in San Antonio. Pertle yeah. and Demar. Right. So like that, he would have been a, a very interesting option. I think still would be for sure. And the Spurs are going to be bad. They're tanking for Wemby. Uh, so yeah, that's that's another name they'll be interesting to keep an eye on because he was on the Bulls' radar supposedly before last trade deadline. 
I think what I was actually even, well, I'm glad you like that name, but what I was actually yeah. like trying to get at is like, there's going to be teams that are trying to be good or not suck right. that actually yeah. end up sucking. And so like, maybe it's something yeah. goes wrong in Washington and Kuzma's available. I would also say that the bulls could maybe be one of those teams that want to be good. And they, the season yeah. ends up going off the rails. So that's why it's hard to do now, but they feel like a team that if they want to be good, there's going to need to be like a fairly significant trade made in the middle of the year. Not, I don't want to say good, but like really good. Yes. Like back up yeah. towards the upper echelon of the East. Yeah. I would probably agree with that as well. <laughs> so I know this is a difficult exercise on a podcast maybe, but what is the 10 man uh, rotation look like when they're at full strength? And I think to make it easier, like it seems like there would be six, I would say seven because I love IO guys that are just <laughs> locked in when it's Lonzo, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams, Vucevic, Caruso, and then Io as like my seven locks. Yes. Is that one accurate? And then how do you how would you flush out like who would be the other three that end up being the the most played on this team? Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely accurate. And then you have to assume Drummond uh, is going to be is a lock as your backup center. He's going to get minutes. He's eight. So then you got like you probably have to choose between Javante and Derek Jones Jr. as like your backup. I hope they choose Javante. But yeah, Javante is like God bless Javante for like for filling in for Pat last season. Like he has his weaknesses. So power forward. Too, he is a like, bat. He has like no offensive skills, but he's a six four power forward who just wants to dunk the crap out of the ball as much as he can. Just bundle of energy. Uh, so you probably choose between him or Derek Jones Jr. as like your what, your ninth or tenth man. Uh, and that, have we even mentioned Kobe? Went and then I guess you had, and then it's either Kobe or Dragic. Like. I put Kobe in, but the way you were talking about Dragic, I'm like, man, maybe I should. Right, I, I am just convinced that they they told Dragic he's going to play, and like that's why he signed there. Because I just don't know otherwise why he would have signed there. I feel like he still probably thinks he, he can play and play minutes that, on a decent just, team. I want to see the medicals on Zach Levine then too. If they told him he was going to play, <laughs> yeah. they had to know about Lonzo. And there's got to be something wrong with Zach Levine. Right. I'm, I'm nervous now. Yeah, I mean, if Dragic is playing the 20 to 25 minutes that he claimed, or like, <laughs> I think that interview he said it was like again, Bulls are probably absolutely screwed if that is the case. But like. Uh, I mean, in the regular season, again, you're going to have your injuries. You're going to have guys n- nights off. You'll go deeper in the rotation sometimes. So, like, the deep, deep bench guys, you probably won't. Just, like, Bradley, Marco, Dale, and Terry are probably your three deepest bench guys. Uh, and then it's just, like, nights. I mean, Dragic will have his nights where he probably won't play either just as a veteran. You, whoever he gets nights off. So, I did I even want 11 or 12 guys there? Because it's, like, Dragic or Kobe, Javante or Jarek Jones Jr., and you have, like, eight guys there like that i think are surely going to play every single night when healthy but then and obviously with lonzo out uh that opens up more time for those guards but uh i think what we went through is about makes about good sense to me this is a lot of times matchup dependent but for this team it feels like when they're fully healthy it'll be etched in stone what's going to be their go-to crunch time unit so i i I mentioned last year how their go-to lineup was uh zach lonzo tamar caruso booch which makes sense to me. I think it's a great mix of you got your two high level scores. You got a booch you can do as a third option. Then you have just your two stud defenders. And one of those guys and one of the best three point shooters in the league, just good stuff, both ends of the court. That's a great two way lineup. The question of course, is where like Patrick Williams fits in all this. So like what, when will there be times? Because like if Patrick Williams is like your, what if, if you're going against the bucks or whatever, or the Lakers or, what, or the Celtics, like you, probably want Patrick Williams out there to guard. I mean, I guess Lonzo and Caruso can do it too, but to guard Giannis, to guard Jason Tatum, to guard LeBron, to guard Kawhi, the Kawhis of the world. So like that'll be interesting to see. 
assuming Pat does like make at least some type of improvement or leap that like what so down the line when Lonzo comes back, assuming he does come back, knock on all the wood here. What if they will go to that? That, that lineup from last year, or if Pat will be the fixture there, and they kind of rotate out between. I'm actually kind of curious if they go Pat at the five sometimes closing. And they bench Vucevich, yeah, uh, and they go with oh, what would be Lonzo, Caruso, Pat, Zach, and Demar. Like, I mean, that's like a that's a really fun theoretical lineup. I don't know if it can rebound well enough. Pat, if Pat gets better defense uh, rebounding wise, that could really help there. Uh, so I think it's probably between like those two options. It's basically the first five I mentioned, and then Patrick Williams maybe could be matchup dependent, depending on like if they need Pat to guard like a bigger star wing or something like that. Caruso is obviously just a more impactful player, so it's like hard to sit Caruso in crunch yeah. time when he's one of your again fourth or fifth best players. Um, so if you're gonna bench anybody, like <laughs> you're not benching Zach, you're not benching Demar. If Lonzo's out there, he's like your best two-way player. And Caruso's one of your five best. So it's like you bench Vooch for Patrick Williams, depending on the rotation or the matchup. It'll be uh that'll be fun to see if uh and again, this old is banking on Lonzo coming back healthy. I would 100 percent bench Vooch, but I've been guilty of just like devaluing rebounding ever since yeah. I've gotten into this industry. What's one weird, quirky, bonkers lineup you're hoping to see this team try this season? See, I get I guess that's just like where the pad at the five because they just they haven't done it that much. Like trying to think about like just a lineup where they just have all like just really small like wings. Like I don't have like one in particular, but if you like threw if with Lonzo healthy, if like, you threw out like Lonzo, Pat, Caruso io and then i guess you need to have at least like zach or Demar out there for like just offense something like that where you just go super small and like super aggressive defensively and do stuff like that maybe even you work in javante or Derek jones jr into one of those spots uh and you just get like really aggressive with your defense you really try to push the pace and do that kind of stuff like i think that could be a lot of fun i certainly do not want to see like funky lineups like nicola vucevic and andre drummond playing together please none of that tony bradley at the three yeah Yeah. don't need to see i know like big lineups are kind of coming back in vogue but like not with the big guys that the bulls have on their roster like i don't need three center lineups like the Cavs were trying last year with like tony bradley andre drummond and nicola vucevic (laughs) obviously the bulls would never do that but uh I would love to see. Yeah, I'd love to see some experimenting with the small stuff, uh, small, aggressive, fast play with pace, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so you basically took mine. I would have Patrick Williams at the five, and I would have Io, Lonzo, Caruso, and I'm going to just throw Javante Green in there. Yeah, sure. Throw all the defensive pressure. Like, I'll just bank on the offense coming somehow <laughs> organically. Like you have Lonzo shooting and like Io giving you some pressure and. We both want to see Patrick Williams. Yeah, have Patrick more Williams. He develops. There it is. Yeah. Patrick Williams. Get him all those on ball reps. So. As we record this, their over-under is set at 42.5. Are you taking the over or the under on that? And where do you see them sitting as, as we record this inside the Eastern Conference? Yeah. So in cash considerations that I just recorded a few hours ago with Ricky, we asked him this exact same question. He says they're around a 500 team. When we did, when, A couple of weeks ago, when we went through the schedule, went through each individual game, this was still like guessing that Lonzo would probably miss time, weren't sure how much. We got to 44 wins going through the individual schedule when it came out. And like I said, Ricky said like around 500. And I said, they're going to finish over 500, but I just can't see them being that much better. And the fact that I went through the schedule before and came to 44. So like that puts them right on like that 42 and a half line. So like, 
I'm going to say over, but very barely. And I sure as hell would not bet on it. Any money on it. On this, like, <laughs> give me like 40, give me like 43 and 39, which puts them, like I said, I don't have like in the East that probably puts them what ninth, 10th. The East is going to be really good. It was a big theme of the bulls media day today. It was talking about how good the East is going to be. Demar was talking about the East being like a competitive Island. Uh, Billy and I think AK both brought it up. Zach brought it up. So like, they know the East is going to be, uh, uh, it was much better last season. It's going to be good again this season, considering even with the Celtics being whatever is going on with them and all that. And like a lot of teams made big moves. The Hawks made a big move. Yeah. Knicks, whatever you want to think about the Knicks, they got better with Jalen Brunson, even if they didn't get Mitchell. The Cavs got Mitchell. Uh, there are still a lot of other really good teams in the East. The Nets have Katie and Kyrie back and Simmons will allegedly play. So like there's a lot of competition there. So like the Bulls, if they win 42, 43, like that probably gets them in the, second play in game or maybe if they're lucky the first one so like i feel like they're pretty firmly a play-in team realistically right now could they end up being a little better there are pathways to it uh if pat is really good if i was really good uh if lonzo does come back with at least a reasonable amount of time and is like close to being his former self they still have demar and zach with like i said i think they're gonna have good seasons it's just the east just looks is just so good there are a lot of question marks with the team. So much has to go right. Right. I just think it's probably a reasonable expectation to be a little better than 500 and right around that play in play in uh, those play in scenarios. Could I also see it go really bad too? Yes, I could, unfortunately, but I'm going to try to be a little more optimistic here and think that I'll, they'll at least be playing postseason basketball. I just do not know if they'll be playing playoff basketball. I have them under in part just because of the East. And it's like, I don't want to yeah. go into detail with it, but like, I think Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly, those are all teams yeah. that are guaranteed to be better than them. And then depending on how you feel about Brooklyn, Toronto, Cleveland, Toronto, Atlanta, yeah. like it's very easy to get like the bulls at ninth or 10 yeah. pretty quickly. Yep. So that's, I'm just, the East is going to be a bloodbath yeah. this year. And with and the Lonzo stuff, again, it's just hanging over this whole season. Like he just, it's, I feel better so if he was like, if they even had like kind of a concrete timetable, right, yeah. we're just going to reevaluate exactly. him in a month and a half and we'll see where exactly. he's at. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just so unfortunate because he just ha- has become so good and so important and so impactful. And just to know that he's going to miss probably the first couple months of the season and probably won't be, even if he does come back, won't be himself again until again, like I said, I'm not expecting him to be himself until 2023. That they just might get too far behind the eight ball, and even if he does come back, like can they? And like the end of their schedule again this season is absolutely brutal in terms of like the degree of difficulty. So like if they fall behind the eight ball already, and even if they do kind of rebound like middle of the season, their last stretch is just so hard. So it is just kind of hard to see them like getting up to like having like a really really good season, getting to like fifty or so wins. Like I said, I think they can get maybe into the mid to high forties if things go right, but. A lot just has to really go right. Is there anything I didn't ask you about this team that you think needs to be discussed before I let you out of here? I don't think so. Like we t- we've talked on basically everything. Uh, I guess it will be interesting to see if things go bad with like the coaching wise. Like I wonder if Billy Donovan will be on the hot seat at all. Like I don't like like I'm not gonna. I don't think like if the Bulls go bad, like it's gonna be on, on Billy Donovan. Like I feel like the roster construction is weird. Uh, they've obviously with like I, I'm not gonna complain about like the, some of the moves they made to put get them in this position. Like getting DeMar has turned out to be great. Losing the draft pick was not great. Uh, on top of like trading what they did for Vucic, obviously in hindsight, the Vooch trade does not look great, giving up all they did to get him. And then when you also lose the first round pick to get DeMar, DeMar has been worth it. 
Lonzo was totally worth it, even though his injury stuff. It's just a, it's, it, it's shaping up to be where it's just like not going to work out. Although I still like the aggressiveness they showed to build the team that they did last season for the most part. It's just like being out the assets that they are, uh, and this weird roster construction. Like I find it hard to like blame Billy Donovan, but like if the season does go bad, like I do wonder if Billy could wind up being a fall guy. So we'll be curious to see what happens there. He's got a lot of interesting decisions to make with his lineups especially with Lonzo out to see what he does. So besides that, uh, I think we were pretty comprehensive here. Jason, this was great. You gave me way too much of your time. I'm endlessly (laughs) appreciative of it. Are you able to tell our listeners where they can find you and all the great work that you did just in case they skipped the introduction? (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. So bulls underscore J on Twitter, always on there. I'll be tweeting a lot more as the season picks up for the bulls. uh, Cast considerations, a blue wire podcast uh, with Ricky O'Donnell. Uh, as I mentioned, we just recorded a post media day one, so that'll be up on our feed sometime tonight. And then blog, uh, bull stuff at Forbes, Espionation Bloggable, and then my editor at Clutch Points as well. All those good places, and I'm pretty sure I got all of them there. So that's so that's it. You thanks are everywhere. Me, man. And yeah. The coverage of the Bulls in particular is fantastic. So thanks so much, and I think as you know by now, I will be pestering you again in the future. Absolutely, always love to do it, man. Thanks for having me on again. <laughs>